I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBSI Views podcast. With me today is Will Tumulty, Chief Executive Officer of Rapid Finance based in Maryland in the US. A couple of statistics for you. Roughly one in five SMEs don't make it past the first 12 months. Second statistic, one third struggle to get access for working capital. These are probably not surprising numbers. The question is, why do they fail? Why do they struggle to get access to funding? And what can fintechs do about it? What should they be doing about it? Let's start with the first pair of questions. Why is funding a perennial problem for smaller businesses? You know, funding is an incredibly important thing for businesses of all sizes, and small businesses are no different in that regard. However, historically, they have had a much more difficult time than a larger enterprises in securing the funding that they need. There's some obvious reasons for that and some not so obvious reasons. On the obvious side, many smaller businesses, particularly if they are startups, they don't have an operating track record. They may not have assets that can be used as collateral for a loan. And they are just much more risky enterprises than those businesses that have been established and are uh, therefore have a longer track record and tend to be larger. So when you're a new business and you're a small business, it's difficult to underwrite even for fintechs. In our business where we provide financing to small businesses, we do require a couple of years of operating history so we can get an idea of how the business is going. Beyond that, when you have businesses that are established and have some operating track record, there's a couple of challenges that small businesses face. Many times, depending on the size of the business, they may not have a robust financial infrastructure themselves. They may have a part-time bookkeeper, which makes the keeping of the books and the managing of the cash often a very important part that the business owner has to do. And that comes with all kinds of variability. Most businesses that we work with, we're not seeing sort of uh, consistent, generally accepted accounting principles in their financials. So you have to be able to work through that and understand if the business is truly creditworthy. This is uh, particularly important and something that fintechs have done, I think, reasonably well, understanding the cash flow dynamics of a business and something that I think is newer to many banks. Now, we've had an issue, obviously, in the last few years with the health of the world. The pandemic I believe you claim, not only exposed the shortcomings of communities and regional banks in the US, but created an opportunity for fintechs. How was that opportunity created? What was that opportunity? Yes. So for long before the pandemic, there have been financial technology companies like Rapid that have been focusing on service, serving the needs, the capital needs of small businesses. And several big things happened, of course, here in the U.S. based on, you know, health directives from state and local governments. Many small businesses were forced to close. The response from the United States government was really to create two large federal programs. One was the Paycheck Protection Program. Another one was an existing program that was repurposed for COVID called the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. And there's an interesting juxtaposition of those two programs, particularly in the first round of pandemic relief from the federal government. The Paycheck Protection Program was largely administered by the Small Business Administration through banks. And those banks got that funding out largely to customers that they already had 
And those tended to be much larger businesses in the small business arena. The Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, also run by the SBA, is a direct lending program by the federal government. And so the SBA did that program themselves. We actually had the opportunity to support the SBA with a loan origination system in doing that program. And what we saw when we did that was that the size of business in the first round that was able to access funding through the EIDL program was much smaller, a uh, loan size of in the tens of thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, 40,000, 50,000, where it was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, which again, correlated with business size in the Paycheck Protection Program. So I think what that demonstrated was that the technology infrastructure that financial technology companies have put in place can make it cost-effective, fast, and efficient to serve the smallest of small businesses, where the more traditional approach that the Paycheck Protection Program leveraged was not well-tuned for that in the first round. I think what you're basically telling me is that it's expensive for banks to service SMEs at the best of times. And in order to be able to do that successfully, fintechs have been leaner, meaner, and better suited in terms of their own cost structures to be able to service the smaller small business community. Yeah, Robin, I think that's right. So historically, uh, at least here in the US, when you think about the lending side of banking, there's obviously lots of consumer lending of credit cards, auto loans, mortgages, right? All kinds of different products there. And then there's really commercial lending. And so these are, you know, multi-million dollar loans and bigger to larger enterprises. Small businesses sort of fit between those. The borrower in a small business loan transaction is not actually the loan, the owner of the business. It is the business entity. Now, in many cases, probably in most cases, there is a personal guarantee by the owners, but you still have to treat that entity as a business entity or a corporation of whatever flavor it is. And that is a more difficult thing to do when you're trying to take a commercial lending operation that's focused on loans that might be a million dollars and up because the amount of cost that you can afford to invest to acquire a new loan of say two million dollars because the loan is bigger and it generates more revenue you can do that you can put humans in the loop you have loan officers you have underwriters right you have people who might go out to warehouses and check on inventory and those sorts of things and you simply cannot afford to do that when you're doing a loan that's twenty or thirty thousand dollars to a business well, you're one of the uh, the largest online small business lenders in the US, in fact. Rapid Finance describes itself as tech-powered. What do you mean by tech-powered? In the time that I've been working in financial technology, which is a couple of decades now here in the US, companies tend to come from one direction or the other. They're either financial guys who get into technology or they're technology people who find a market opportunity in finance. I come from the financial side. Coming out of graduate school, I uh, worked for Capital One. After a while there, I did a startup payments company and so learned a lot more about technology then. But fundamentally, here at Rapid, historically, we have viewed ourselves as a provider of capital. And when you provide capital, you really need to be focused on the finance side because if you don't get that capital paid back sufficiently, you don't stay in business for very long. Now, what we have done is we've taken the expertise that we've generated in terms of small business lending, credit scoring, risk-based pricing, underwriting, 
And we have automated that and brought new technologies to make it even better. The result of that is we get the benefits of um, lock experience on the credit and underwriting side to generate good performing assets. But we can move like a te financial technology company in terms of speed. A, a short benchmark is from the time we receive a completed application, 80% of our applicants that are going to get funded are funded that day or, or, or the next day. Right. And that makes a big difference if you're a small business owner, right? Because you're not, you don't have a full time CFO helping you manage your cash flow. Looking at what's coming down the turnpike at us at the moment, we've been through the pandemic. We're kind of getting used to the aftermath of it, what's still around. But we have supply chain crunch, we have rampant inflation. How much tougher is that going to make business for SMEs? And how much tougher is it going to make business for you? So I think for the small business owner, it will not be as tough as it was during the pandemic. There are lots of small businesses in the United States that didn't get through even with government assistance just because their market environment for them just became untenable. Those that did get through have tended to be more robust businesses. And I think they have generally been in pretty good shape as we've looked at the performance of our portfolio coming out of the pandemic. There are certainly challenges that they have. Hiring workers has been a challenge. Cost of goods and supply chain items has been a challenge. And with the threat of potential recession on the horizon, that's something that they're always thinking about. We have seen great increases in demand with the waning of the government programs here. So as businesses become more established coming out of the pandemic, they've been looking at growth opportunities. But at the same time, there is some, some storm clouds on the horizon for some businesses. In our business, we try and stay very attuned to that. So when we think about who we are lending to, usually when you're a lender, the lending that you do in the depths of a recession is not nearly as problematic as the lending that you did before coming into the recession, right? And so uh, we have to take an early start and figure out what are we going to do in terms of pricing to build resilience in the portfolio to make up for higher cost of capital on our side? And then, you know, what credit policy adjustments would we make in order to make sure that our balance sheet is well positioned should we wind up in a recession? Is there an obvious, we've touched on this, but is there an obvious advantage to the use of technology, to the use of technology in decision making, for example, in terms of the loans you grant, the loans you reject? Yeah, I think that there are a couple things there. The first order effects are, right, you can bring lots of data into your models and you can make what I'll say is more consistent decisions. A human underwriter with lots of years of experience will do a very good job of managing performance on the assets that are originated. But what you find, and, and we still do on some loans that are bigger, we have human underwriters that review those loans. If it doesn't fit into a neat box or it's a business that we have less familiarity with or it's a large loan, it is worth putting that kind of investment into the origination process. But what you find is there will be variability in the decisions that you make, right? When the machine makes the decision based on all the data that comes in, based on those data characteristics, if they are the same, the machine will make the same decision every time. And so that is one benefit is you get that consistency. And if you've built good rules, you can get consistently good asset performance. The other thing that is recognized as an important feature that technology brings, but I think potentially less recognized, 
uh, in terms of credit is speed. So using technology, you can make faster business decisions, as I had indicated earlier, than when you have to have humans review all of that information. And often people say, oh, fast decisions, maybe they're bad decisions, or maybe, and there have been some financial technology companies who have been fast, but not good. And that usually does not end well. What we find is if you've built good rules and you know when you need to put a human into the loop because the machine doesn't understand what it's looking at, you can get those fast decisions. And not only are they good decisions, but because you can present an offer sooner, you can often derive some positive selection out of the lead flow and the applicants that you are making offers to, right? So if you can get a quick decision back, somebody said, a small business owner says, hey, that looks like a good deal. I'll take it. And if you deem that they were a good credit worthy risk, then they come on your book and they don't go on to your competitor's book. Will Tumulty, Chief Executive Officer of Rapid Finance, thank you very much.